0: One of the things that um, I I kind of this morning perused some of your previous videos, but um, that you touched on with Jeremy is that uh, he mentioned that there was a time when he was in the WMS that, that, um, that someone close to him noticed that he really, really wasn't happy. Like they kept asking him, are you happy? Are you happy? And I related to that quite a bit. And because there there was a point in time where after all the, You know the effects of the love bombing faded, and you know I was a a gospel worker, so to speak. That 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 the member is really not happy, and that literally the only reason you still you're still there is that you think tomorrow the world's gonna end. Tomorrow, Father's gonna come back.
1: You are listening to the Great Light podcast, a resource aimed at building up the body of Christ and engaging the lost. This podcast is a production of Great Light Studios. For more information and resources, or to watch our films, go to greatlightstudios.com or find us on Facebook or YouTube. If you would like to support this program in the ministry of Great Light Studios, you can do so easily and securely through our website. There you can also find both video and audio versions of the podcast.
2: Hello, Brian. Thank you for uh, thank you for joining us today and and uh, being willing to share your story. No problem. Uh, how how long have you been out of this group?
0: Uh, I was officially, I guess, I it's been about seven years. So I came out in twenty thirteen, and uh, I was in for between four to five years, going being baptized in two thousand nine.
2: Cool. Well, I'm definitely excited to get into your story. Um, a lot of a lot of what we'll say, Brian, I think is important because this the WMSCOG has a, a record of suing and attacking people who speak out against them, and so um, I want us to be careful to make sure that everything we're going to say in this video that is negative toward the WMSCOG, it's our opinions. We're going to share our opinions about what the evidence that we see about this group and what we think they they are. Um, so I'm saying that to, to protect us both because, uh, as far as I know, they can't, they can't attack us for sharing our opinions. So Brian, why don't you just, um, tell us about how you, you first came to be in this group? What, like kind of, what was, where were you at in life and what, what was it that drew you to this group in the first
0: place? Well, the year was about 2009, I was in college at the time. Um, and I guess at the time I was in, uh, I was at this particular time in my life, I was kind of, um, I guess how you would say, uh, lost apathetic, kind of, uh, didn't know what I was doing or, you know, what, or, you know, or, or, or what exactly I wanted to pursue. And like a lot of other members, uh, former members, I should say, where people get recruited, I was just kind of drifting along so to speak. Mm-hmm. Also, so it was at this time, um, 2009, I, uh, one particular day I was just kind of, I remember I was at school in the library when, uh, when, what, what was I unbeknownst to me at the time, the missionary of the, of that particular, uh, Zion came and, um, preached to me um or not really preach but you know how they do show a couple bible verses and and, you know draw them out of context and string their string their um message together with it and um and so and from that time on for about twice a week for the next month or two i'd say i i met with um uh, that individual and um and um studied with sarcastic quotation marks, the, the, uh, the prophecies, so, so to speak. And, and really, I mean, at that time reflecting on myself, I really knew nothing about nothing. And, um, so, so of course it was, it was amazing at that time. And it was, it was, um, it was, uh,
2: it probably seemed really profound and and deep because you're saying you didn't really know have you didn't have a groundwork of what the Bible really taught at that point
0: right yeah especially what yeah what was what's um amazing about was amazing is how they're able to you know it, it, make something seem like a prophecy and tie it tie it to things that actually happened um like i'm sure you're familiar with their seal of god study and such and right. so forth you yep. know, where they talk about world War two and Adam yep. and all but yeah so i guess after a few weeks of of studying um, this would—I got baptized. However, um, but and here's here's one thing that, looking back on it, should have and would have been a red flag had I known what I know now, would have been the fact that when they, when this when they introduced themselves to me, they said, "We are students of theology. We need your help working on a pro uh, on a project." So they so, so it kind of led, led led me along in that you know uh, in that, um, in that line of reasoning, like, okay, we're, i just helping these, these, um, uh, these, uh, unusually nice people with their, yeah. <laughs> their project by listening to what they have to say. And then, um, and then on the very last, uh, that last study, they just kind of hit me with, with the, uh, be baptized immediately study. And, um, And from, and from then on, you know, it was, it's kind of like a bait and switch as they would say in the business world. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of how I, um, entered the WMS. Okay.
2: So it's, it sounds like you maybe could, uh, could say that you experienced some of the love, the love bombing, I think is what, um, I think Jeremy in the last interview we did called it. They they tend to really kind of over go over the top in kindness and um, and making you feel good about yourself and making you feel welcome. Do you? Uh, it sounds like maybe you're saying that was the experience, but um, so correct me if I'm wrong there, but also do you feel like that, if that is the case, if, do you feel like you experienced that love bombing? And if so, do you feel like it changed over time? Do you feel like the, the kindness and that attitude that you were shown... Initially, did that change as you were in the group longer?
0: Oh, oh, well, for sure, definitely. Um, um, once I was in the group, I guess there was um, I, within the first like, um, you know, I'd say within the first like three to five months, uh, I couldn't keep all of the the. Um, the requirements like the Sabbath day and, and the third day worship, uh, because, you know, I had school and work and other, other obligations. And so that's when, you know, steadily the, the love bombing, or, you know, I guess the, the affectionate veneer that they show you initially, like, um, sometimes they don't, it's all they have to do is, uh, you know, uh, stop that or, or, you know, or, um, in, in a way you've kind of become, it's it's weird because um, I can't remember where I read this, but it's kind of like there's a, um, it's kind of like, it's kind of like you become addicted to this love bombing in a way. It's um, it's like it, it, it's something biochemical that happens, and it's a very very intentional and um, direct form of manipulation that yeah. you know you that if, if someone love bombs you gives you something that basically releases endorphins in your brain all they have to do, do to get you to do what they want is to stop that for a time and in, in, a, in a way you kind of become like a junkie on that and it's like it, it, that's
2: it, interesting that, yeah
0: it, it's like in, in i mean and then from just a like a superficial standpoint the the uh, perspective becomes like here are these people who are always so nice always willing to bring you a cup of coffee and Always say, "Oh, oh we, oh, we love you, brother and sister." Now all of a sudden, they're they're pissed at me because I yeah. I missed a Sabbath trip. There must be really something wrong with me, yeah. and that becomes yeah. the, you know, the wow. internalized guilt there.
2: It's so it's like the the kindness and the the love bombing, if we're going to continue calling it that. The kindness though, that that affection that they show you up front, that obviously any any human being is going to. React to that is going to respond to that is going to like that you know being being told you know you're you're great and we've had uh, uh, female members who have since left the group but they'll talk about how you know initially they would just go over the top talking about how pretty they were and how wonderful they were and and special so it's like they. I'm not, I'm not saying there's no, there's something wrong with being nice to people or showing kindness uh, I think that's obviously that's great you should love people and show kindness I think what what I'm saying about this and maybe what you're saying is that it seems like it's it's not it's not coming from a sincere place of them actually caring about you as much as it is this is part of their strategy to hook you they hook you like a like a like this is this is part of their fishing their fishing line, that hook that gets caught in your mouth so that you feel that affection. So you kind of give part of your allegiance to them. And then what they do is, is from that, that kind of gives them a platform then to start implementing the other part, which is the guilt and the fear that kind of keeps you in check and keeps you in line with what they want you to do. And, and, and they've kind of already laid this foundation of kindness, showing that affection so that then if you contradict them, if you go against them, the the fear and the guilt and the commands or or whatever it is that they try to put on you. If you go against that, the guilt then becomes focused on yourself. Like you feel guilty because it's like, well, these people are so nice and they must be of God. They must have the truth. So how can I how can I go against them? You know, what kind of person am I if I, you know, don't go along with what they say. Um it's just I, I'm seeing here, yeah, the the manipulation involved is
0: is it's disturbing kind of, a of, of uh silent gaslighting. i would call it to make you yeah. make you the point is to make you think there's something wrong with you absolutely um and um but yeah
2: yeah and i don't so i i just heard this last night talking to to a guy who's who spent a lot of time studying this but um it kind of goes along with that that i feel like they kind of one of their initial things is obviously the kindness and the affection, but then from there, they almost have this second secondary strategy of making you feel guilty for your very existence almost. Um, uh, I don't, do you feel like you could relate to that? Do you feel like that is what you experienced where it, it kind of went from the kindness and the affection to you then almost becoming guilty for even being on this planet? <laughs>
0: Yes, um, definitely. However, what I connect that to is, um, in, in my, and this is just my personal studies, I guess, as is, um, is um, uh, Robert Lifton's system of thought reform. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with his work. Uh, basically, um, the difference between Brainwashing and um, yeah, let's call brainwashing and undo undoing influence. Is that mm-hmm. the is that brainwashing uses force and violence? Um, um, undue influence, as per with the the, uh, the WMS, uh, uses um, um, milio control and yeah and peer pressure. They do do that, however, it's um they, they it's very focused in that. They one of the studies they go over with you is about the forgiveness of sins and how we fell from heaven. So, yes, right. I, I imagine you'd assume that's a, a heretical teaching, but yeah, they have been right. they basically teach that the reason we exist here on earth is because this is a prison and uh and we're all sinners who fell from heaven. Um, and um, it's kind of um, it's kind and, and this is how. I guess the the thought reform comes in is because we don't know it, uh, in, in you know operating their paradigm what exactly we did in heaven. So it's it's our job, I guess we can say while we're here to figure that out. Yeah, and while we're trying to figure that out, that's that's um, it. Uh, it follows the exact same uh, uh, model or structure mm-hmm. as the um, as uh, the Chinese thought reform. That uh, Robert Lifton talks about. It's not okay. similar. It's exactly the same. It's
2: exactly the same. Yeah.
0: They, wow. Yeah. They basically to some for those who don't might be listening and don't know. Uh, Robert Lifton was an Air Force psychiatrist who who basically interviewed people who were brainwashed by who were captured, detained, and brainwashed by the Chinese government. the 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 interrogators would accuse them of a vague crime. They would either uh, admit to it to get out, or in most cases deny it, and basically. They would be punished every time they they um, if they denied it, and they so they would in order to try to get out, they would try to as specific make it specifically po- as possible fabricate in their imaginations what a what exact crime they committed against the government, even though it wasn't real, and they and it got to the point that where with through repetition they actually believed that they committed this horrible crime against the government, and when they were in that state of repentance, they were able to
2: have their way with them
0: and 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 see the wms does the exact same thing we're yeah. trying to fit when you've reached that state of repentance where you find your where you figure out your sin in heaven that's when that's when you can build the new identity of uh, of the gospel or of being built in on or Zhang's image but sorry I kind Isn't of, that a rant.
2: no no that's not a, that's not a rant at all that's incredibly helpful information and and it it seems like it's it it reconfirms um, what I've heard in the past about how this this group, the organization, the actual foundation of it in South Korea, um, I, and, and I, I need to be more studied on this, but I think it has a lot of ties and and roots in uh, military like thinking, and I. Um, and, and that sounds so much like I mean it, that's exactly what if you go to the Marines, that's what they're gonna do. They're gonna break you down. They're gonna get rid of your own your own sense of self, your own uh, critical thinking and and to get you to to become part of a group, you know and, and so but first they have to get rid of your they have to kind of wash wash away your own self identity, your own, uh, who you are, they got to get rid of that. They got to have like kind of a blank slate to work with so that then they can make you into what they want you to be. And, and that's how the, that's how the military operates. You know, I mean, I think that's, that's what the Marines are going to do. If you join them, they're going to, they're going to kind of follow that same pattern. And it's just interesting that that's, that seems to be so clearly what's going on here. Um, I think it'd be worth maybe say, say again, what the name of that that guy is who um, who had that that thought and and maybe where people could um, and, and we can link we can put links to it in the description, but it might be helpful for people to to be able to get access to what it is that you're talking about to read it for
0: themselves. That's right. It's um it's called the book is called Thought Reform and the Psychology of Totalism. I don't know if you can see it there.
2: It's yep, by Robert
0: it. J. Robert J. Lifton and. Um, and yeah, it's, uh, it, it really details very well uh, the process of, of, um, of like, the parallels in that book are amazing and just how the personal identity is broken down through the accusation and then the person's personal fabrication of a crime they didn't commit. And then the new communist identity was essentially re- rebuilt wow and um and uh, And yeah i couldn't recommend that enough but
2: and it doesn't it doesn't seem far off it doesn't seem like a huge stretch to say that a religious movement that originated from a country like south korea would be deeply rooted in that sort of philosophy and that sort of way of thinking
0: yeah that's that's exactly right because um the the author uh, not speculates but Basically, his theory on how this this type of um, deliberate influence got started, he said it was um, it's a combination of nationalism and the um, um, and um, uh, propaganda from the Russian Revolution and all uh, and that type of you know uh, del- deliberate influence. But also the key thing is fi- filial piety, meaning which is um which is a uh, which is a huge cultural pillar in the in Far East countries, filial piety meaning uh, unconditional uh, submission to parents or authority figures. Mm-hmm. So you can see, I mean, when when I explore the WMS a bit, what basically what I what I figure out is that it ba- it's basically uh, um, traditional Korean animism with that wears a superficial uh, Christian veneer. Yeah. That um
2: with the Bible as the costume that they kind of wear over the top of that.
0: Right. And, and the thing is, uh, and uh, mixed with that feel piety of the unconditional submission to a parent or a shaman or elder per se. And that would of course uh, be Zane. And, and yeah.
2: Wow. Well, I think that's, that's very uh, helpful information that I hope, the people listening. I, th- I think it would give a lot of people something to really think about. Um, I, I think with that, it is worth acknowledging some, something that I'm continually trying to figure out how to process in my own faith is when I talk about the WMSCOG, I don't want to make it out as if this group is the only, the only group that has errors and flaws, um, within protestant christianity i think you can see i think sometimes you see similar patterns i wouldn't say it's as intense as what we're talking about here but i think i want to be objective as i continue to talk about this group that i i think you know i think it's not only a problem within the wmscog but in a lot of religious groups as a whole and i think um me being a christian i want to own that i think within Western Christianity, I think uh, there have been large movements in a popular narrative that is based on fear. Uh, I think there's a lot, there's a, there's been a lot, large push and probably continues to be in many circles where, where fear of hell is kind of the driving, almost like the underlying foundation driving force of any gospel preaching and, and any message being taught. And, and so I just think it's worth acknowledging that there's there's similarities within these groups, and I think I think it's it's worth recognizing that and um, I continue to be a Christian. I don't think that 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 by itself means that there is no truth within the Bible my my view on that is that I think people people are messed up. I think people are weak and flawed and I think people uh, don't always accurately represent the teachings of Jesus. And I think that, that, that manifests in ways like this. But I, I just, I just wanted to acknowledge, and and we'll probably continue to to talk about that in future videos, just that there are similarities. The WMSCOG isn't the only group guilty of this sort of behavior. Um, And I, and I think that's as, as Christian, as a Christian and, and within the Christian community, I think this is an area where we need to figure out how do we not look like the wmscog how do we not deal with these kind of issues with issues of fear and when we talk about sin and doctrines about sin and the sin of humanity to not to not do it in such a way that we're no different than the way groups like the wmscog are doing it um and so that's probably a topic for another day but maybe just just saying that here to kind of begin that conversation is something I want to kind of continue to think about and, and acknowledge
0: in, in videos as we go forward. So, well, um I, I understand what you're saying with that. However, I would maybe disagree a little bit in that I made that perhaps I would say that within Protestant Christianity, perhaps there are some people, but I, I would that, you know, do that sort of thing. Um But I would say the name difference is that is that that the the WMS when they do it, it is deliberate and premeditated. When mm-hmm. I, I I think you could we could probably find you know a um, um, a, a a sect or a church or an isolated church that um, that might do something like that or have a yep. a, a leader that is that could. That could possibly you know fit the profile for a cult leader, but I would say that is not de- most of the time is not deliberate and just gets is just you know gets carried away or needs rebuke yeah. or something like that. Yeah,
2: I'm- yeah, absolutely. I think that's a that's a good point. Westboro Baptist Westboro Baptist Church, if you're familiar with them, would probably be a good example of uh, of what I, I would feel like would be. I mean, I think that group is every bit as da- dangerous and and off track as a WMS COG. And they doctrinally, I think I would line up with many of their doctrinal statements and positions about theology in the Bible and what it teaches. But I think there you see, yeah, I think practically in the way they uh, behave and function, I think it, it out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. And so I think, yeah, you see that at the core of what they are, I think it's just as dangerous, just as terrible <laughs> um, as, as what's going on with, with this organization, the WMSCOG. And so, but yeah, I, I think that's yeah. You brought up a good point. Um, and are are you familiar with Westboro? Uh
0: yeah, they're uh, they're they're like a um, a very a fundamentalist Baptist uh, sect yeah. with like eighty members, and you have to be born into one of the initial families to be able to join and, um, and yeah, they're, they are, they're, they're interesting. <laughs> that's yes. To, that's-
2: yep. Yep. Um, but all that to say, I just, I think my, my conviction is that I think my understanding of what Jesus taught is I, I personally believe in hell. I believe in heaven. Um, I believe there's a lot of things about those realities that we don't understand. And and I'm asking a lot of questions about those things right now and what what the details of what they are entail. And I got a lot to learn. I definitely don't have that figured out. I don't think anybody does. Um, But I I think Christians should be careful to... um, And I think you're absolutely right that I I I think there is a distinction there. I think the WMSCUG as an organization... Is more intentional with the way they utilize the fear of hell and things like that. I don't think the members themselves are as guilty as being intentionally deceptive and in, in trying to implement fear. I think they they sincerely believe it, but I think at the root of the organization, there's more intentionality about it. Um, but I, I think I think as Christians, we have to be careful that we don't begin to with with the way we're presenting the gospel and talking about Jesus and talking about who God is, that that fear of hell isn't like at the forefront. Because I see Jesus talking about fearful things and, and warnings, but I don't see that in the preaching of the apostles, you don't see really ever that I can think of in the book of Acts, where the fear of hell is being presented as the reason why people should repent and believe. I, th- I think there's there's, they speak of the coming judgment of Christ. So I think that would probably actually fit into that category, but I think overall, it's it's more about um, we should be drawn to Christianity primarily not because of fear, but because of it's just a better. My conviction is, is a better way because I think Jesus has a lot to offer, and and peace and joy and freedom.
0: Um, I so then, that you should be drawn to any worldview because it because you find truth in it, not necessarily because, because you of, think it's gonna you know because you're going the to the
2: consequences the world yes. Yeah, right. And so it's a problem when a group like the WMSUG so strongly relies on f- these fear tactics. Again, this is opinions. This is this is the way we see from the evidence. This is my opinion of how they operate. It seems like they utilize and use fear to manipulate members into kind of falling into line with what they want them to do and to be
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that um, I, I kind of uh, this morning perused some of your previous videos, but um, that you touched on with Jeremy is that uh, he mentioned that there was a time when he was in the w- WMS that that um, that someone close to him noticed that he really, really wasn't happy. Like they kept asking him, are you happy? Are you happy? And I related to that quite a bit. Mm-hmm. because. There, there was a point in time where, after all the uh, you know the effects of the love bombing faded, and you know I was a, a gospel worker, so to speak, that 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 the member is really not happy, and that literally the only reason you still you're, you're still there is that you think tomorrow the world's going to end, tomorrow yeah. Father's going to come back, so right. to speak, and um, yes. and and that is really the the, the thing that keeps. That um that keeps them there. That's their defense mechanism, so to speak. <laughs> yeah, but- it, it,
2: it's uh, it's that it's kind of like that again. The analogy I see is like you have the WMSCOG. If it's this building, it's like at the door they have all these really nice greeters who are like super kind and affectionate, like we've talked about. But once you they they convince you with that that fake perception of kindness and goodness, which again I. I believe is fake. I believe it's not coming from a sincere place. 99% of the time, once they get you in those doors, they shut them and lock them. And I think the doors and the locks in the WMS COG are the fear of hell. It's like the fear that father's coming, the world's going to end. It's like, those, those are the locks that like, you can't, they're the mental locks in your mind that like you just, you don't have the key to open those doors up because you don't, members don't know what to do with that fear. Like, okay, you got this person telling you any day this Korean God is going to show up and obliterate the world. And if you're not on his side and haven't fallen in line, you're going to be tormented forever and ever. And, and like, yeah, that's going to, that's going to, that's a good way to keep people inside a, inside a door.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's so uh, yeah, that's what kept me there as long as, long as I lasted, but
2: yeah. Well, you mentioned something actually about Jeremy's interview that kind of leads me to the next question that I wanted to ask. Um, and that's just about how how did this group and being involved in it, how did it impact you as a person? And did it change? Do you feel like it changed who you were as a person? Uh, and was the change for better or for worse?
0: Um. Um, I would say, I would say probably a bit of both. Um, ever since, I guess one the, to say the the positive aspect of me coming out, I I wouldn't say that anything positive is from the group itself, but that's just my opinion. But one of the positive side effects, I guess you could say is that it really, really, the whole experience overall really taught me the value of critical thinking. Like, um, like, um, because when I think about uh, solutions and, you know, problems and solutions, like when I think about, you know, high control groups, like such as the WMS overall, I try to think about if there is one singular um, magic bullet that can, that can end this problem. The only thing that I come to is people having better critical thinking skills. I mean, yes. I know I had uh, one point, I had none and that's what, what initially. Yeah. Uh, that's how I and probably lots and lots of other people were reeled into it. So when, um, and, um, so that's a positive, however, and, um, but, um, yeah. And then, um, but yeah, negative, I guess I would say, I would, I would say it's kind of, it's made me relatively, uh, uh, paranoid as a person. um, Mm. Um, it makes I don't I don't trust people easily Um I always tend yeah. to assume the worst and in, worst intentions and in people especially nice people because of it um, Yep. yeah made me kind of, it made me subconsciously kind of a kind of a, a bit of a doomsday nut yeah Um. to be to be honest uh, yeah. yeah so I mean I could elaborate on that but,
2: but. <laughs> that's interesting yeah no that's that's a lot of that is very similar to what Jeremy just shared, um, in, in that interview we just did, just the, the trust, trust issues, I think that it developed and, and it's, yeah, I mean, because really it's, it's, it's a traumatic type of experience when you're, what's happening is you have people in your position who, you know, like you're, you're, telling us about where you were at in life. You you didn't really have a super clear purpose or vision for your life. And these people seemingly gave you that and you are trusting them. You felt like they were, this, this is kind of your group. You know, these are your people. Uh, this is your family. And then to realize that it, the betrayal, the, the deception that you the manipulation, you start to realize it. it I, I just think it is, it's, it's, abusive it's emotional abuse and it's um it's understandable why you would have those struggles and why people coming out would be so have, i find it such a challenge to trust and and i feel like like that that kind of makes my my position a little bit difficult at times because you know even you know I, i've always wondered that like how what how am i being perceived by former members who are coming on here. And I'm this, I'm this other religious guy who has just another version of faith. And you guys just came out of this, um, you know, you just came out of this group who was really nice and kind. And so, um, that's always interesting. I don't really have any further thoughts. I just, it's just something I wonder about and want to learn how to, to not be fake in my kindness and, and just to, um, yeah, I don't know, I, th- I think there's a lot of, of healing that needs to happen in a lot of you guys. And um, I just hope I can learn how to to help that and to help help you guys realize that they're, you know, <laughs> learn to to know that I, I believe there are, which I think you already know, but there's people out there who I think have a real relationship with a real God who has real love and produces produces a sincere goodness inside of people. Um, I'm not saying that's in in me necessarily. I hope it is, but I, I've seen that in other people. I, I've seen a stark contrast between my experiences sitting down in conversations with members of the WMSCOG. And yeah, they're nice, they're kind up front, they're respectful m- mostly. But there's a sh- there's an empty shell that I feel like I can almost perceive inside of that person, where that kindness that all it's not coming from a sincere place. And I would I think it's the same for a lot of Mormons I've had conversations with. It's the same with a lot of Christians. I've professed Christians. I've had a conversation with, but I, I've also experienced as as real as the fakeness is. I've experienced something just as real in a sincere person who sincerely loves a real God and and just that. Yeah. As real as the falseness is, I think there's just as real truth and sincere love and, and goodness that can, you can experience in other people. And
0: yeah, I, I definitely catch your meaning. Um, yeah, and I, I definitely do see see the the value in what you do, in you know, in, in explaining where you know um, you know where in in the Bible uh, the WMS misrepresents, gets wrong, or just outright lies about know about what the bible actually says yeah however um at the core of it i feel like it's there is a, a bit more to it than that mm-hmm. i mean there is the uh, you know the 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 control and everything else and um yep i, I mean it kind of reminds me of another video that I, that you did that was very interesting uh, impressive because you were able to get a former member to actually to on to dialogue with yeah. you yeah and I and I remember it was kind of frustrating to listen to, because when when he he would say he would say uh, you'd ask him why he believes and he would say well Sabbath Passover prophecies the Bible and then you're like okay well here's a here's a place in the Bible that where it con- directly contradicts WMS doctrine and then he would flip to he would flip to well I'm all in I believe in this fully yeah. I I know in my heart so yeah it was it was yeah. um, it, I mean it, it doesn't sound like I mean in in, in for some people um especially especially people who came from christian backgrounds i i find more consistently um it is very very possible to 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 get them out through showing them apologetic mistakes in mm-hmm. the wms doctrine however there's some people who have deeper psychological issues or deeper deeper personal issues who are hooked in there because mm-hmm. of those those things like one of my things was was particularly I didn't come from like like I said I was I was I was kind of having an apathetic existence in college and then secondly I also didn't come from a very stable or loving family so the the WMS at least for a time uh satisfied all of those personal needs and then Mm -hmm. on top of that it was like um so during that kind of honeymoon phase had someone came at you know kind at me with you know with um with even with solid and reasonable and logical apologetics it might it would have been just like you know i get out of here (laughs) yeah it would have been falling on deaf ears so but that's
2: that's a really good point and and that's why it's just i i feel like i'm painfully aware that the videos i put out where i'm i'm counteracting specific doctrines I think is kind of what I started out saying in this interview. I, I'm aware that they can only do so much, and they're only going to be effective for a certain type of person who's in a certain place in his in his life or in, in where he's at with this group. Um, I think I think mostly probably the apologetic style videos that we're putting out are most helpful for for members who are already have already begun to ask their own questions. Um, and it goes back to what you're saying about thinking objectively, um, if, if you're, if you haven't realized, if you haven't come to a place within yourself that you've realized, I need to doubt what I believe and my own perceptions, because everybody around me in the world thinks they've got the answers. They think they know what's true. And so who am I to think I have got what is true? So to come to that place where you start to think objectively about why do I believe this? Is there a really good basis for this? And I think unless members have, have come, at least even begun to step into that way of thinking, probably most of the apologetic style videos we're doing are just going to bounce right off. And it's going to be, yeah, that, that conversation you brought up, that live stream we did, I, I can't remember what his name was, but that was, yeah, that's kind of the frustration that you get into because you can present all the evidence in the world, you can show, you can show clearly that this group, what it is. I mean, you can show clearly from the Bible that. I, I mean, I I'm 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 continually like appalled by the arguments, the biblical arguments used for Mother God, and and the few handful of verses they use, and just how terribly interpreted those scriptures are. But but it shows me when a member is convinced that these verses, like Genesis. Genesis 1 or Revelation when they believe that those verses actually are trying to communicate that there's a mother god a female god that tells me that they're not yet in an objective place of thinking. They haven't stopped to think, okay, is that really what the writer here was trying to convey? Can I really extrapolate that from this one little verse? Um and you saw that in that conversation in that live stream that you know, you can you can present the best arguments but unless that person is in a place where they're willing to begin to ask honest questions, um, it's not really gonna be effective.
0: Right, I mean, yeah, and I think another, uh, yeah, important thing to bring up at this moment is that along with what you're talking about, is that it's for this reason specifically to create this effect that, you know, you've experienced in interacting with former members is that is that they specifically, is the information control aspect they and I'm sure other people have said this or have told you this, but they but specifically is to not even read the Bible, just read the snippets of verses they give you, um, yeah. study mm-hmm. their sermons and, and read their read their their books, basically. And because it's basically when you because like in my personal experience, when I came out, I was I like it, it's, it's weird because when you come when I came out to an extent, I still believed in it. I still believed in it, but I thought I was doomed per se. But uh, yeah, I thought I was gonna for sure go to hell. So, but then, but then after that, um, after I, probably a period of a year or two, the the teachings wore off, and I you know became exposed to some other thoughts and ideas, and and um, and I, I guess at that point I, I followed the 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 new atheist movement, and at that point my atheism was just a, a kind of just a suppression of that. Of the WMS mm-hmm. doctrine to say, well, it's all illogical, it's all wrong. Mm. But then, and then, but then, just probably up until a couple of years ago, um, is when I really started digging deep into, I guess, into philosophy and into actual, actual early church history. And that's when, when you in when you really dig into it, that's when you can really see some of the errors and holes in their in their um, in their doctrine and that and that's when it, it finally all kind of all clicked for me like finally um like wow. like for example like they they talk a lot a lot about 325 AD 325 AD and uh you know how the passover was abolished the passover was abolished and the it's all, it's all prophecies in the bible and and you probably know more about this topic than i do but my understanding was on one hand you can't say take the position of sola scriptura and be like well we just follow the bible but at the same time my understanding is that the council of nicaea is where Scripture was canonized, so you can't. Is that correct?
2: I believe so. Yeah, I'm. I'm a bit ignorant on church history, so actually, you probably know more than I do. (laughs) But no, I I think that's correct.
0: Yeah, you can't say that. Well, this is what this is good. This is what we follow. But here, here's the epitome of evil, and that's where we got it from. And then also, they make the claim that the Passover was abolished at that time. Well, actually, there was actually a a group of uh, a, a significant substantial group of christians that were called the uh Quatre decimanians who kept the passover at that same appointed time or whatever up until the eighth or ninth century mm. so if there are still people doing it the same way they can't make that claim wow <laughs> so it's like it's but then but then here's the other problem is that they talk about they talk about um i don't know if um I can't remember. It was it was one of the really it was one of the 2012 studies. that was it the 3200 days and nights where they specifically use 325 A.D. as a point in time to of uh, of exile, where um, where where that will lead that will end at 2012 and the when the tabernacle is built. But they I, I forget the study. I can't I can't. It was I've only it was one of those top secret studies. I've only heard it. I only heard it like once or twice in, in yep. four years. And the thing is it went it um if they, they use those dates to mathematically calculate when certain when that prophecy is gonna be fulfilled, if it wasn't fulfilled at their date, their their theory, theorem or calculation right. gets thrown into the complete whack. So I don't know if that makes sense. I kinda
2: it does, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, there's there's definitely a lot in that. And I think one one aspect is just the, the failed prophecy, which which calls into question the entire foundation of their their uh belief system, um, especially meaning it came from the teaching of Aung Song Kong himself. And and that's something don't take my word for it. Just go do the research and see what did Aung Song Kong teach about these. And and he certainly did have specific dates of prophecy, end of the world prophecies that didn't happen. That's very problematic. But I think more than that, what I get from what you just said is is just that the history, the actual history history when you look at it yourself when you examine it not through the lens that they put in front of your face when you examine it without that lens there it tells history tells a much different story than what they try to tell you uh, um, a
0: much more nuanced
2: story than what, yes. what they tell. yeah so you' you're telling me though and, and that's something I, I wanted to ask about it sounds like you kind of went through a period of atheism um so maybe t- talk about that again like what was it what do you feel like was at the core what was really when you went there you f- you kind of mentioned as sort of a, a way of suppressing stuff uh maybe expound on that a little bit so you you kind of went toward atheism to kind of bury some of the doctrine is that right
0: it, yeah it definitely um I don't know. I guess my, the, 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 my, the core fundamentals of my, I guess the, the core, my personal philosophy on that, my ontological view would be that I was thinking, well, um, and, and and at this time you have to understand that the, the, the atheists I followed at that time or familiar familiar with just gave, just um, gave these really juvenile like iterations and regurgitations of, of David Hume and, and um, Bertrand Russell, and there, and the thing is, they, they, I was thinking that, well, um, I can follow this empiricist worldview, where I think, okay, well, anything that, any claim that needs to be, that can be made true needs to be demonstrable, needs to have proof, and then I could, and the, and then, and then, then if if I couldn't, you know, prove so to speak, that God exists, then I, then I could, then, then just on that basis alone, I can, I can throw out the entire WMS doctrine. I can, you know, I forget about all their crap. Mm
2: -hmm. It's kind of a a simple one-step solution, kind of a one-step solution to you had all this, this, this damaging false doctrine that was harming you emotionally and mentally. And so kind of a, a simple solution to that was just, well, God doesn't exist. So I can just, I don't have to deal with every specific point. I can just throw it all out.
0: Right. And, and, and then how I came out of that. And I was, I I basically kind of thought that, well, I could think about, you know, Humean empiricism. And I, and I, but I, I, if I'm, if I'm honestly going to say that every single claim needs to be justified the same way. Well, I'm lying to myself because you don't, you know, you don't prove that, you love someone the same way you prove that, prove the the boiling temperature of water. So, in the same yeah. way, it's kind of like um, after I've come to the my way out of that was, was uh, I guess I started with uh, uh, Kantian trans, transcendentalism and then I, I got into Aristotle. And then I basically, basically, um, I guess I came to believe in God not through. Through scripture, but basically through um, certain transcendental truths that certain things can be real, but at the same time be immaterial. Because if I'm mm. going to demand, because what the what the materialist, um, empiricist atheist worldview um, uh, boils down to is just uh, is is uh, is um, that everything has to be proven the same.
2: Way. Proven exactly not not proven the same way it's not
0: and um but if you if you go on that premise then your entire then the world your worldview becomes just contradictory because because um because under that worldview time and space cannot exist Hmm. because um because because that's because that's pure a priori if if uh if that makes sense
2: yeah Uh, man that's that's good stuff and i think the, one one unfortunate thing I think that's happening with a lot of people impacted by this group, one, and one of the things I want to continue figuring out how in these videos and what we're doing to help this problem that I'm seeing is this this group is coming, coming to people with this perception that they are the Bible. They represent God and the Bible. And then they're Chewing them up and spitting them out. And then they're leaving the people with just this complete inability to think about God or the Bible without associating it with all these terrible, terrible things. And, and that is one of the most frustrating things for somebody like me who I, I look at the Bible and my thoughts about who God is. And, and I'm seeing this entirely different picture than what the WMSCOG has painted. But they're using it's like in my mind, it's like they're using our book. And they're, they're they're it's just it just seems so unfair and so frustrating. And I think it's just a problem that I I want to and other believers need to continue to learn how to how to help members who have been damaged by this group see that what their experiences were, what their thoughts are right now about the Bible and about God are not accurate depictions of what the Bible actually teaches. It's like if I have stomach flu and and I you know, years ago, I had stomach flu and I ate chili and ended up, this is kind of disturbing and gross, but I threw threw it all up. And ever since then, I can't look at chili the same way because of that experience. Like, it, I associate chili with throwing up, but that's not really fair to chili. Like, chili has nothing to do with throwing up. It was this this bug that was inside of my stomach, this other issue, and it just so happened that that chili got unfairly thrown into the mix. And so, so I think people need, I think people... Impacted by this group in any way, you have to learn to disassociate the Bible and thoughts about God from this group. Because, plain and simple, this group does not it, it it its teachings about what Jesus, who Jesus is, about what he taught, are so far removed from what the reality of what he of who he is and who he taught that there's just there's really no it, it, Jesus is unrecognizable within the WMSCUG. The God of the WMSCOG is just so far removed from what the God of the Bible is that there's really no, there's no connection there. And I would just hope that people would think objectively about that as they, as it sounds like you have, as you transition out of this group um, to think about that, to realize that, uh, it, I'll say this one last thing that I think is a helpful analogy for me. It's, it's kind of like a lot like lottery. If you think about the lottery, if you think about Faith in God being like a lottery ticket. The the fact that there's fake lottery tickets out there. People might get a fake lottery ticket and they might have all these experiences with it. They might have that fake lottery ticket might might provoke actual real experiences of of joy and like elation and excitement and and all these things. But when you find out it's fake, it could like you might then just throw out the whole lottery as a whole and say, well, it's all just a sham. It's all just junk. But the fact that there's fake lottery tickets doesn't change the fact that there's a real lottery ticket out there where those experiences are actually based in reality. They're based in something that's real and true. And so, if you've if you've been somebody who's experienced the pain of of having a fake lottery ticket, don't don't throw out the whole lottery system based on that. And and now people are going to accuse me of like promoting gambling and and all that, which is that's not the point. Obviously, it's kind of a bad analogy, but I think it, hopefully it helps in some way. So. Well, um, so, something else you said that uh, before before we end I want to get into is just um, you talked about evidence and and so maybe tell me like what what was it in your journey in searching this out you kind of went went into atheism what would you say is kind of like what's some of the major? Evidences that now have you in a place of faith in God, and and I guess for clarity's sake, like your faith, do you do you hold to Protestant Christianity? Um, What what's your what's your views at this point of God?
0: Um. Well, I I believe in God. I believe that Christianity is the is uh is the truest um, uh, is closest to the truth, and particularly, uh, although I'm not. Uh, officially accepted yet. I'm uh I, I believe orthodoxy is the truest expression of Christianity in my worldview. Mm-hmm. But um but um but yeah but but to get the, the initial question is um yeah I guess the the, the trans the transition is like it goes along with what you were saying about you know when about the, the negative associations that former members make with the Bible when they start reading the And I had that same exact thing when I first came out, when I'd start reading the Bible, I'd be, I'd be reading and reading and hit Genesis one twenty six and all the, all the negative things from the WMS would just come flooding, Mm -hmm. flooding back. And I, and I put it away, but to to get over that, the only way to truly do that is to under, to, is to understand it more and to, Mm -hmm. and, and the, and the way to do that was to understand, I guess, the, the, uh, the nature of reality more and that, um, and, and, and yeah, I don't know if that answered your question.
2: No, it, it no, that's good. It's, it's kind of like you have to, you know, another, I I've had multiple experiences with stomach flu and f- different food, but <laughs> another one was Chipotle, Chipotle burritos where, man, I ate a Chipotle burrito once got food poisoning and I couldn't eat Chipotle for, for a long time, but I had to. I wanted to, I missed eating Chipotle because I loved it. And so I I had to begin to kind of retrain the way I thought about it. And, um, and over, it took some time. It took, it took a couple of years before I could finally eat it, eat it again. But, um, I, I learned to, as I would eat it to like, not, not let my mind go to where I was like, okay, this is going to make me sick. I'm going to, you know, like to disassociate that burrito with, Throwing up <laughs> again. This is kind of a gross analogy, but I think it does. This involves you retraining the way you think about it, and 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 it goes into what you're saying about understanding understanding it.
0: Right. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So basically, yeah. About about evidence. I I came to um. Yeah. I came to a belief in God through understanding that um that the that the laws of nature exist immaterial, meaning. We know time and space are real, yet I can't measure, I can't objectively or physically measure it. At the same time, um, um, for instance, um, like the law of non-contradiction uh, objectively exists, it's not right. a social con, con, construct, it exists uh, across cultures, uh, everywhere, no matter what, whether we call it the law of non-contradiction or precision Smunks. It's the same right. thing. So anywhere where you see the, this constants or structures or systems in in the universe in reality, you we can you, we can always infer that, that that a mind mind or creator exists behind that. So the so I guess I, I went from being an atheist to a to a rationalist deist to um, uh, an orthodox catechism. So through my personal study of scripture and uh, the church history and and the early church fathers and how, how their, how their um, writings actually, uh, uh, actually um, parallel perfectly. A lot of the the metaphysics of of Aristotle and, and and Thomas Aquinas was uh, one that one that had a huge influence on me as
2: Mm -hmm. well. So you've done, you've done done
0: your study. I I kind of got lost.
2: No, that, no, that, that absolutely does, and man, I I love I, I'm, I've got so much of that stuff inside me that I'm just kind of dying to make entire videos devoted to that kind of subject because, um, I, as I, I say this, I've said this multiple times, I think, in different videos, but like I'm somebody I, I have a analytical mind where I just kind of I have a hard time I have a hard time trusting thing. I think I probably the older I get, the more difficult it is to trust the things i've always believed so being somebody who was raised as a christian as i be as i especially being involved in this sort of work it's easy to begin to look at around the world and see so many different groups and people who are so convinced that they have the truth that i begin that that has increasingly made me look inward and see why why am i convinced that i'm not just one of them why am i convinced that i I stand out amongst all these other peoples and religious ideas and religious thoughts and sects that I think I I'm, I'm belong to the one group that has the truth. And so that's something that I have to continually wrestle with, with my own faith. And ultimately for me, it comes down to why, why do I wake up every day and devote my life, which I continue to do, why do I devote my life to a Jewish man, Jesus of Nazareth, who lived 2000 years ago and I can't see him. I can't look, and I can't hear him. I can't touch him physically, and so I have to ask myself that. And so, but what you're touching on, what you're touching on here, is one of the I honestly is, is I would say probably one of the top three reasons why I I can't at least I can't move away from belief in God. Like I I just I just can't do it. I can't I couldn't come to that point and continue to wake up every day in this reality I am, I'm in because of the very things you're saying. And, and I think a lot of what, uh, something else that would play into that is is just the existence of moral absolutes, of objective moral truths, of of moral values that, that are globally embraced and acknowledged as, as either more valuable or less valuable, as either good or bad. And me as a husband and a father, Again, as somebody who has to think objectively and, and I can't help but be analytical, I have to ask why am I being faithful? Why be faithful to this one woman? Why why attempt to be a good father? Like yes, there's there's maybe social benefits to them, but is there anything more than that? Is faithfulness to my wife is that even something that exists or is it just this man-made social construct that ultimately has no no ultimate value or meaning or truth to it. It's just this idea that you can either choose to live by or not, and there's no ultimate difference between the two. And to me, uh, you, you know, you're talking about the laws that these laws that govern the universe. I see, I see that in my reality. I see those, and I have to do something with that. Like you're saying, these aren't physical, but they're there, and they're, I think, undisputed and And uh the same goes, I think for moral truths and moral values. what what there, and i I as an individual, I can't think of a basis to like an ultimate re- an ultimate foundation for why I would choose day after day to be a moral man, a faithful man to uh there's not an ultimate basis. I'm not saying there's not any reason at all. there's value to it. In itself, but there's not an. I can't think of an ultimate basis to do these things unless there's a God who who goes beyond this. Who there's a God who gives these things ultimate meaning and significance and objective value.
0: That's exactly right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, because under the I guess the under the the atheist worldview, it ultimately boils down to materialism. And all that stuff you're in under that worldview, all that stuff you're just talking about, you know, morals, faithfulness, you know, reason, basically it, all that. None of that stuff can exist. And we all just become a bunch of, um, you know, protons and electrons and quarks and gluons banging on to each other. And, right. you know, just just a, a mass of atoms with, with spitting up more atoms. So, yes. I mean, so. So, yeah, I mean, that's yeah, I, think, I, think, I definitely think we're on the same page with, with that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's good, and and I think what I what I can continually continually come back to is is I I feel like I would have to be dishonest and sort of close my eyes to the reality I see in front of me if I were to embrace a naturalistic view of the world like that because I I can't ignore these invisible realities that I see the invisible reality of moral truth uh, of of. Uh, the things you're talking about, these laws, these, these constructs that govern laws of logic, things like that, that ultimately I think have, yeah, they, how, how can you claim that these things exist and that they can be imposed on every individual universally regardless of, of location or time or, or uh, uh, culture? How can you claim that they exist and that they should be imposed universally without saying that there's there's they exist and they're 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 universal, they're objective, and there's something that's giving them that that sort of value? So I guess with with that being said, I guess the question that I I have for you that maybe we can we can kind of um, begin to wrap this up is. Why? Why do you think people should at least, people leaving this group should at least continue to consider the idea of God, and, and maybe like what would be some encouragement or some thoughts that you would give to maybe push people to not just, not just immediately throw it out and you know embrace something like atheism? Because I, I think a lot of people just probably do that as sort of a knee jerk almost response to the experience of this group. Um, so do you have any thoughts that you would want to
0: give people? In that regard, well, I think, um, I think the first before they can think about, you know, you know, I have this, this kind of uh, this is this constructivist saying that in order to know what is true, we have to know what is not true, you know. So in the same way um the i mean i guess the ultimate objective of 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 pursuing these things be it whatever your religion is or or this or that is to is to is to get to truth it, you know i don't but they believe that somebody could be a christian and not care about what's true and what's what's not true however this um so i mean if someone were to just come out of just come out of the w- wms i would i would encourage them. I mean, it's going to, in most cases, it's going to be a long journey uh, as it was for me, like seven years ago. Um, I would, I would simply tell them um, to seek truth for them, for themselves. Not, not a WMS truth, but, Mm -hmm. but any, any and all information understand have them understand what is it? What does it mean to scrutinize something? Question everything. If something is true, it will stand to scrutiny. And so if if they, so since they just came out of the WMS, obviously they have this bad experience. They might have some kind of trauma or PTSD or whatnot. I would simply encourage them to, to honestly go back into the WMS studies not go, not physically go there, but into their books, into the into the into the into the Bible and whatnot. But this, but 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 only this time, don't simply do it under the lens of critical mm-hmm. thinking, meaning uh, look at other um, um, uh, academic sources on Scripture. If if they say if uh, like um, if. If if you if they remember if the WMS said this represents this in scripture, get a Hebrew and Greek lexicon and look it up yourself. I mean, the, yeah. my thing would be to dig into it. Like, um, like one of the things that came to mind is one of their studies is the um, is is God who came from the east or something, mm-hmm. uh, and that's where they pinpoint Korea as the place where where Jesus would come back from a second time. And, um, and one like of the scriptures promuletic. they showed in Isaiah was, uh, yeah, was from from the ends of the earth. And in the and in the original Greek, the word at ends of the earth was, was I believe arets. If I'm probably butchering that, butchering that, but that doesn't mean although that doesn't mean a location. It actually means a time, meaning the end of the world is one. The second is one. The se- second coming of Christ will come not so so long, so not in 1948 or whatever they're yeah. trying to say. And um, but and that's just one example. However, yeah, I would just encourage them to, for for before they do anything, before they adopt any worldview, I, you know, um, I don't, I wouldn't want them to follow me or follow what some person says. I would encourage them to become a, to become a thinker above all else, become an independent rational thinker, and then in that pursuit of truth, I believe they'll they'll find what's true.
2: That's good. Yeah, that that makes me think of uh, Proverbs 18, 17, where it says, In a lawsuit, the first to speak seems right until someone comes forward and cross-examines. And so, of course, if you're reading these passages like Genesis 1 and Revelation 22, and you don't have any other prior experience with the Bible, prior thoughts or understanding of what these say, and you you you're just hearing this one side of the story. You're just hearing the WMSCOG perspective and interpretation of these things. Well, of course, that's going to seem right if, if you're not willing to listen to other interpretations. But go and and listen to other other views of it. Look look into the actual language. Look l- question the 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 way that they're utilizing words like elohim and, and is it really trying to to say what the WSCOG says it says even even just the go look at like the old jewish uh rabbinical if that's the right word thought about about places like genesis ask the question why why haven't the jews and and um why has Israel and, and and the rabbis and and the teachings that that have come forth from them never never landed on a concept of there being two separate gods. These are the ones to whom the Old Testament was given and entrusted. It, it, these are the ones who wrote down. You know, originally it was, it was Jewish men who wrote down these words Elohim. Why why was it that they never reached the conclusion? that there was both a mother and a father. Um, yeah. And so just look, yeah, here, here, the other side of the story, because if you don't, of course, of course what they're saying is going to seem right.
0: Yeah. And they should also ask themselves, why exactly does the WMS analogize, uh, um, outside information to spiritual poison? Right. That's, and that, you know, and, and, um, mm. And um and yeah, and let me clarify something I said I didn't mean that they should physically go back to the WMS. I yeah. meant they should e- examine what they, <laughs> at least I didn't want. <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, I I I I understood that was what you're saying, but, but yeah, probably good to clarify. Yeah. No. No, I think I it's just critical thinking. Think critically, ask ask questions. Um y- and I can assure you you've been taught that the WMS has a monopoly on deep profound biblical interpretation and, and and understanding and that is just there's no simple way there's no nice way it's just a crock of crap is what it is i mean it's just it's just baloney
0: all of their teachings were were from other sects and groups you know the yeah. seventh day adventists
2: there are i i believe 100% better ways of interpreting these passages like Genesis 1, like Revelation, and, and like the prophecies, the supposed prophecies of Aung Song Hong, if you really dig into these things and think objectively, step outside, take, take these glasses off that the WMSCOG has by fear of manipulation forced you to wear whenever you look at the Bible, I, I just hope and pray that you would learn to take those off and then to view the Bible, to look at the Bible, to look at God, to think about these things apart from those lenses, uh, and I and I'm confident that when you do, like Brian, you're going to find that that one, their teachings are baloney, and I think two, you're going to find that there's there's still very very good reason to hold to faith in God and belief that that these scriptures, the Bible, has something significant to say to to us as human beings.
0: I would agree. With you.
1: You have been listening to The Great Light Podcast. To find more information and resources, or to watch our films, go to greatlightstudios.com or find us on Facebook and YouTube. If you want to support this program and partner with the ministry of Great Light Studios, you can do so through our website. There you can also find both video and audio versions of this podcast.